Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DMDR Rams podcast presented, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download it today. Use the promo code DMDR when you sign up. We have a lot to go over in this one. Really successful early signing period for CSU football. The Rams locked down 34 guys on Wednesday. Still a possibility that they land another guy or two this week uh, until the end of Friday, so we'll kind of see what happens there. As it currently stands, CSU at 80 scholarship players still have five remaining that they can fill. They intend to before the end of the summer. Jay Norbell talked about during his press conference, which is available on YouTube via CSU Rams. You know, he just kind of talked about wanting to potentially get another offensive lineman or two. We'll talk about that. They're in the mix for some receivers. I'll throw some names out at the end. We're going to be talking about all of these guys a ton between now and spring ball. And I mean, really heading into the summer when you've got 30 plus new players, it's, you know, a lot of guys to get to see and get to know. I really just kind of wanted to start, though, with some general takeaways uh, on this cycle on the staff, on the class that they put together. I'll go through some of the numbers. Real quick, though, just before we get into everything, I did want to do a brief open. One on how I don't really love the early signing period. I understand why they implemented it, but the whole process has just become so dramatic and drawn out now because of it. And I don't know, there's a part of me that just misses having one signing day. I mean, for college football diehards, it it almost felt like a holiday. You know, I mean, if you were really locked into college football on National Signing Day, like that's what you were going to be tuned into. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't those of us out there that still get locked in, you know, for the whole early period for, you know, signing day in February as well. But I don't know, just the nostalgic part of me kind of misses the way it used to be. And Really, I would say the same about a lot of aspects of college football. I miss how a lot of the conferences used to be. I miss bowl season mattering on a national level and not just to the people like me that live and breathe for this stuff. You know, I, I miss kind of when transferring was a rarity. Like, it, it, I don't think guys and athletes in general should be, you know, demonized for exploring other opportunities you know, other people quit jobs. Coaches obviously leave whenever they want, but some of this has just gotten so silly when you look at some of these guys that are going to their, you know, fourth school in some cases. Like, what are we doing? The tampering is is just insane right now. I mean, it's never been more chaotic. There've really never been less consequences for breaking the rules. I mean, 
Narduzzi, Pitt's head coach, kind of went on a rant about it. And, you know, I think a lot of people that follow college football from the outside were basically framing it as if he's, you know, the angry old man yelling at the sky completely out of touch. I think I saw Emmanuel Acho share it and be like, maybe it wasn't him. I don't remember. I saw one of the, the Fox guys, you know, share it and be like, why would anyone want to play for somebody who doesn't want the the players to get paid? And that's not what he's saying. He wants, you know, to know that if he has a good player, he doesn't have to worry about USC sliding in their DMs and stealing him overnight and re-recruiting him. Like everyone loves to draw these parallels to the NFL, but there's so much more structure in the NFL. You can't be reaching out to guys that are under contract before they hit free agency. And I'm sure some of that happens to an extent. I think there's a lot of tampering, you know, with players, but like a team, a head coach can't be doing that. And that's certainly happening in college football. But the other key difference is just that you know who is going to be a free agent. You know whose contract is coming up and you don't really have that as a college coach right now. And I don't know, man, I just I don't know how you're supposed to build a roster long term especially if you don't have, you know, a group of boosters that are willing to throw a stack of cash at anybody and everybody. And maybe it'll kind of even out as the years go on, you know, people kind of see like they're not really getting a return on their investment here. And, you know, some guys are taking money and then still transferring anyways, like maybe eventually it all just kind of evens out, gets a little more stable. But when I see Deion Sanders commenting on Instagram posts, you know, I ain't hard to find. I don't know. I just don't really like it. And this isn't even, you know, an anti-CU thing or even an anti-Dion rant. Like, it's it's just a product of the system and where we're at right now. But I don't think it's good for college football, and I don't think it's good for the majority of the student-athletes. I mean, there's plenty of stats out there. I don't need to ramble on how many of these dudes end up in the portal with nowhere to go, and they just walked away from, you know, so-and-so amount of credits, you know? I've heard people walking away from 40, 50-plus college credits like half a degree anyways got a little sidetracked here i'll always love college football you guys know that i just think some of these changes are short-sighted and not necessarily what's best for the game what's best for the fans or even what's best for the players but uh who knows i also real quick just wanted to say and i'm not going to do a whole long thing on this but how is ryan stonehouse not the starting pro bowl punter for the afc And what has he done to deserve this perennial disrespect? Never won the Ray guy. I mean, I just don't get it. Like, are you guys, are are these other football fans, football writers, Pro Bowl voters, which I guess are just fans, are are you watching what we're watching? Do you see the ball come off his foot? Do you hear the sound it makes? It's not like other punters. There's levels to this. And I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I know that the Pro Bowl doesn't mean what it used to. You know, it literally basically means nothing. But there, there are financial incentives for these players. And for an undrafted rookie punter, like there are literally monetary consequences for Stonehouse not making the Pro Bowl. It's stupid. It's whatever. I know nobody else cares other than CSU fans, but it's ridiculous. And I just wanted to shout it out because he deserves some damn respect. Get myself all worked up over here. All right, I'm going to move on. Let's let's talk about this class because it's a really intriguing class. I know I just went on a six-minute rant about all the things that I hate, but <laughs> I really am excited about this class. I think the staff did an awesome job. 
Real quick, I do want to shout out the presenting sponsors. That is, of course, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They're my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season, mostly just because of all the endless options. I love same-game parlays. I love the fact that they have easy and fast payouts. If I win, I can get my money right then and there. I love player props. I love live betting. I love it all. And what's cool is right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Also, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlay. All you got to do, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, boom. The more likes you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game. Maybe you think the Broncos are going to beat the Rams for Christmas. Who knows? Get $150 in free bets if they do only at DraftKings Sportsbook with that code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I also want to shout out the homies over at GameTime, the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, 50-yard line maybe, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert, it's possible with the GameTime app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you never could buy. You're not going to find a better deal this season on CSU Hoops tickets. Uh, Nuggets tickets, Avs tickets, obviously the demand's really high there with both those teams being in contention. The reason is, it was created by the fans for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love DNVR, you're going to love game time, and the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the podcast description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app. Score the best seats to all your favorite events. Finally, I want to give you my DraftKings pick of the week. That's my DraftKings pick of the week. I'm rocking with Air Force. I'm taking them outright. I got them on the money line, plus 150 to beat Baylor. Supposed to be single-digit temperatures. I like Air Force. I mean, anybody that's ever been to a game in the Springs knows how cold it is. I don't think Baylor's going to be ready for that. You also don't really know, you know, how up for the game Baylor is going to be for Air Force in the Armed Forces Bowl with a bunch of veterans and opportunity to win a Big 12 team. They live for this stuff. They're great against the spread. I would certainly take them to cover. That's already moved drastically in Air Force's way. It started at seven, now plus three and a half. But uh, I really just like the Falcons to win, and I think the the value's there on the money line, so that's what I'm going with. Air Force, money line, plus 150, DraftKings Sportsbook. Lock it in. Cool, cool, cool. Now that we have paid the bills, let's get into some general takeaways. I guess I'll give you some numbers real quick, then I'll give you the takeaways. 26 high school players, 8 transfers signed so far. As I said earlier, currently at 80 scholarships with 5 more to come. 18 offensive players, 16 defensive players, so really nice balance. And and that honestly makes a lot of sense. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more down the line. But I mean, this, this class really was about laying the foundation of what will hopefully be the roster, you know, you're competing with, you know, even beyond 2023. Of those uh, 18 offensive players, seven were offensive linemen averaging a height of 6'5 and 300 pounds. That was a major point of emphasis for this staff this cycle. They want to get bigger altogether. I mean, Jay's talked about constantly how much he favors big receivers, tight ends, DBs, all that. But they, they needed to get drastically bigger in the trenches. They've got to be so much better in pass pro. 
So it was really encouraging that they were able to go out and land some size. Now, I do hope that they're able to land another transfer or two. They were in the mix for a couple of guys and ultimately got beat out by Power 5 programs. Uh, Landon Beebe, Missouri State transfer, took an official visit. Ultimately ended up signing with CU, so that's kind of a kind of a punch to the gut. And then obviously there was Trevor Radazovich, who initially was going to transfer to CSU from Penn, uh, ultimately committed, took a visit with his parents, and then decommitted, flipped to Cincinnati. Never even took a visit there, which is crazy to me. Kind of just seems like uh, chasing clout, but you know, whatever you do, you. CSU signed five guys that they intend to play wide receiver, three that they intend to play tight end. Uh, Jay said during his press conference, again, you can watch that on YouTube. I unfortunately was not able to be there in person for that one. Typically would have been. But um, as Jay said in that press conference, he's really excited about these tight ends. They're big. They're tall. They're, th- they're threats to stretch the field vertically. And that was just such a big missing component from the offense last year. They didn't really have anybody fulfilling that Cole Turner role that we saw you know, be so productive at Nevada. And all of these guys look really intriguing. Uh, two of them are transfers. One, a high school product out of Hawaii. Ended up signing one quarterback, uh, Jackson Brousseau. He was CSU's first verbal way back uh, late April, early May. Stayed true to his word, was a state champion. Really strong arm, a very intriguing prospect. I'm going to talk about all these guys. I think I'm going to do a separate pod where I just kind of try and give you a little bit of information on every single guy. I feel like that'd be a little overwhelming on this one, but definitely really intrigued to see Brousseau on campus. He's got a huge arm, also plays baseball, uh, trying to win a state championship in baseball as well. Uh, the running backs are very, very encouraging. Maybe the guys that I'm most excited about offensively, that of course, Damian Henderson out of Los Alamitos, California, and Justin Marshall of Merrillville, Indiana, both of those guys incredibly athletic, versatile. You know, you could use them in the backfield. I think you could line them up out wide, get them involved, you know, in some underneath stuff. You know, Jay talked about there's a possibility you could play them on defense or you could play them wherever you want. But really, really exciting to see some of these guys and the fact that they ended up signing even, even though they had all of this P5 interest late. Uh, Damian Henderson, officially the highest-rated recruit in this cycle. He is a four-star prospect, according to ESPN. A top 300 recruit as well, so a really, really nice signing by the staff. Um, Of the 16 defensive players, five were defensive linemen, three were linebackers, four are going to be corners, four are going to be safeties. The funny thing is a lot of these guys, including all the linebackers, none of them played linebacker at the high school level. You know, they're, they're all really impressive athletes that are going to be, you know, transitioning to positions. And that's, that's a big uh, point of emphasis for Freddie Banks. He talked about that last year. He had a ton of success doing so at Montana state. When you look at Troy Anderson, a guy that was an offensive player, they move him over to linebacker ends up being a second round draft pick. Really. That's, that's just what this staff is trying to do, you know, defensively and offensively. Just get the best athletes possible. Big, strong guys. You know, Jade mentioned how this is a sport where big guys tend to to pick on little guys, and that's just the truth. I mean, 18 of the 34 players also run track. I, you know, 20 plus of them are some form of multi-sport athlete, a lot of basketball in there, a couple of soccer, baseball, other types of stuff. 
I think that's really cool. I'm sure you could probably find data for whatever side of the argument you would like to make on this one as far as specialization versus, you know, being a multi-sport athlete, what's ultimately better, you know, for your future, what is going to help you go D1, what's going to help you go pro, all that stuff. But I mean, there's, there's so many examples when you look at guys that were, you know, basketball stars and transitioned to football or track stars, especially like why would you not just want to find the most athletic guys that you can? I mean, if you genuinely have good position coaches, they can teach guys how to transition from wide receiver to linebacker or wide receiver to safety. Because at the high school level, the best, the, the best athletes are largely going to be offensive skill guys. The ball is going to be in their hands. They might be two-way players in some instances, but they're almost always going to be on offense because they're creating points. You score, you win. The guys that are truly refined at linebacker that also have those plus athletic traits and the positional experience, you know, they're going to end up at bigger schools. So you've got to be able to get these guys, figure out, you know, what skills they have, and then put them in a position that works for them and works for you. It's done wonders for Utah. I think Oregon State is big on this. Basically, any team that punches above its weight class, and that's the hope for CSU, you know, that they can eventually be you know, the class of the Mountain West, one of the top programs in the G5, this recruiting class is a great step towards that direction. As we can see by the recruiting rankings, you kind of have to take all the rankings with a grain of salt. None of them are ever 100% accurate. They just don't have enough guys covering the Mountain West for them to be. But the fact that on three, ESPN and 247 all have CSU ranked as the top class in the Mountain West, that should say something. A lot of these guys are pretty raw. A lot of them are changing positions. You know, they're going to be young and experienced, but you just got to get as much talent and athleticism on campus as you can, and you sort it out from there. Like, that's, I I talked about the schools that punch up, but even, you know, the Ohio States and Bamas of the world, they're stockpiling talent. Like, that's that's really all they're trying to do. We're just going to get as many good guys as possible, let them compete it out, and then, you know, from there we'll take 22 dudes and then go to war. Uh, looking at the, the geographic breakdown, 17 different states in this signing class. Jay said it was the broadest of his career. They touched every corner of the country. Seven guys from California, seven from Texas. Those are exactly where CSU should be, you know, getting close to half of their class. That makes sense. Three from Illinois, uh, three from Colorado. One of the things that Jay mentioned is how big of a boost DIA has been for him, you know, since coming over from Nevada, having an international airport and being able to go all over the country. You know, he mentioned how they had just completely abandoned Chicago while recruiting in Nevada because it was hard to get there. They went into Illinois and they had a lot of success this cycle. I mean, Andrew Lorich is one of the prospects that I'm most excited about. I'm also really stoked on the Colorado kids. I mean, Silas Evans from George Washington is a burner. He is, whew, he's going to toast some dudes in the open field. Javian Smith-Combs out of Cherry Creek, absolute stud. Looks like he could be in the NBA right now. Um, Tanner Morley from Valor Christian, the offensive tackle. Great frame for a guy coming out of high school. Also like that they have a winning background, you know, coming from Valor, coming from Cherry Creek. CSU's not landed a lot of guys from those programs the last couple of years, and they should. I've made how I feel about Colorado pretty clear. You know, I do think it's a state that you have to prioritize as CSU. And I think that there's going to be an opportunity there to potentially, you know, land some guys that CU is neglecting. But more than anything, it's just about landing the right guys. 
the vast majority of the top 10 prospects are going to go out of state. That's not going to change. But if you can land, you know, three, four, five, you know, of the top 20, 25 guys, you're in a good mix, especially if you're also, you know, having a strong national foundation. You've got roots in California and Texas. It's going to set you up for success. Having a local presence is really good. It's important. But you can't sign Colorado kids just to sign Colorado kids. Like, you've got to sign the right Colorado kids, the guys that are actually going to translate and be able to make that jump to the next level. And sometimes you miss on some of them. You know, sometimes they might be fringe, and you hope that you can get them as a PWO, and then they prove themselves and you give them a scholarship. And, you know, at that point, you know, it's kind of up to them. Like, they can decide, do I want to play at CSU? Do I, you know, want to bet on myself and try and earn that scholarship? Or do I want to maybe go to you know, Montana state or whatever, like some of the other guys that ultimately decommitted when Jay came in that were previously committed under Adazio. I mean, I think it's the right approach. Like I said, you, you want to recruit Colorado, but you just, you want to get the right kids and you can't be signing 15 kids a year from the state because you're not going to be competitive on a national basis. If that's what you're doing. I believe it was Tyler King of the Gazette that asked Jay about this during his press conference, but essentially, you know, Norvell said, you got to, you got to fish where the fish are. You know, you got to go to the states like California, Texas. There's a lot more, you know, fish. Your odds of landing one are, are going to be higher. It's pretty simple. A couple more takeaways here before we wrap it up. Uh, I do want to shout out this staff because I, I just think it's huge that they were able to land this many high school kids, that they really didn't lose any of their longtime commits. Lost one. I mean, you lost... Israel Polk, who was committed for 11 days, I don't even really count him. Richie Anderson committed back in June. He did decommitted a week ago. That's a tough break, but I've also essentially heard that the CSU staff told him, go ahead and sign with Fresno then, you know, if if you don't want to be a part of this. I just think it speaks volumes to the relationships that they were able to secure, that even as bigger schools came sniffing in, a lot of these guys, you know, they remained committed to CSU. They wanted to be Rams. And I just, I think Jay has put together a really, really talented staff. We all know that, you know, commitment doesn't really mean what it used to, especially in the world of of college football, but great job. Just a great job that they were able to keep these kids locked in. I mean, it's not like CSU has just, you know, bags of cash to throw at people. And kind of on that subject, I had some people reach out and, and ask essentially why, uh, they're not leaning on the transfer portal as much this cycle as they were last year. And there's a couple of different factors that go into it. Um, timing is one of them. Obviously, they had an entire year to recruit these guys with much longer time to establish relationships with these high school prospects. Last year, they kind of just needed to get enough experienced bodies to be able to field the team. And then even that kind of got warped because so many of them ended up leaving. But this year, it was about laying the foundation and, you know, hopefully hopefully finding the guys that you're going to compete with long-term. Now you've got to keep them on campus. We'll see kind of what happens there. But the reason that CSU is never going to be like USC or CU with Dion now in, in the portal, just in terms of like having that be your main method of recruiting, is we don't have the cash to throw at these guys. And honestly, if all the NIL stuff would have been as crazy right when Norvell got hired, because it kind of took off like a mo- in the months after that, if it would have been the same way right when he got hired, I don't know if he lands all those transfers. I don't know if a guy like Torrey Horton, you know, is at CSU or if he ends up in the Pac-12. 
So basically what I'm saying is I just don't really expect to ever see another signing class like that again. Like there's always going to be transfers part of it, especially now because it's just becomes a bigger and bigger part of the game with every year that passes. But the reason that, you know, CSU was not quite so portal heavy this time, that they're not, you know, trying to be like USC or whatnot is they just don't have the financial backing. They don't have the boosters. Now we're trying to make great steps there. There's the green and gold guard now, you know, the new NIL collective. That's great to see. But the bread and butter of your program has definitely got to be high school kids if you're CSU. It's just big for depth. It's going to be big for consistency and just your ability to hit, like transfer, you know, you never really know what you're getting. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But I just feel like with the way that the recruiting calendar works and the fact that, you know, oftentimes you get to recruit high school kids for, you know, a year, maybe even longer in some cases, you just get a better idea of who they are as an individual whether they're going to, you know, fit inside your locker room, what type of teammate they're going to be, whether they're going to be coachable, you know, just talking to a guy on the fly in the transfer portal, who knows? I think that's why so many coaches, you know, even in the portal, try and lean on guys that they at least had recruited at one point or had somebody on their staff that recruited, you know, there are never going to be any guarantees in the recruiting world, but I just think it gives coaches a little bit more peace of mind, you know, allows them to feel slightly more reassured. Like I said, I'm going to talk way more about this 2023 class in the coming days and weeks, really going to give you more information on these players. I would like to get some of them on the podcast as well. Wanted to do that before the medical stuff has kind of made this month wonky, but it does feel good to kind of get back into somewhat of a rhythm and routine here. Shout out to all of you. I hope everybody is staying warm in this insane freeze. Uh, I hope everybody has a very happy holiday season. You guys make my dreams come true. Much love. Go Rams.